got a better idea. Why don't you go across the street and buy some condoms? Because we should at least be safe if you're gonna f me. Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest to find love. I'm Jen Sanford. Yeah, and I'm Kyle. I probably sound real bad, but it's because I've been fighting this head cold for the entirety of uh, my day today. It's a good Friday night, Jen. Well, you're due because I'm always the one that's sick on these podcasts. So it's about time that it's your turn. But listen, listen yes. to me. Yeah. I'm not going to be dissuaded by you wanting to talk about your personal health. <laughs> I have been put in a personal torture from you, and yeah. that torture is going to be rectified now. So if you've been following along, you know that <laughs> Kyle has mentioned that he is on the pursuit of group sex. And I have seen <laughs> Kyle in person many since times time, yeah. since he made this declaration. And have I wanted to ask about it? Yeah, it's all I want to talk about. We've, we're in a syndication deal with CJSW, so we've been there. I, we've been together. And I'm like, listen, there's going to be a time to talk about the sex. Don't bring it up. And I feel like you, I feel like a Peanuts character because there's been times where I know you are talking to me about something and all I hear is wah, 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 because I'm just like, get to the part about the group sex. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this podcast and you are driving, pull over. If you are doing something important, just put it aside because we are going to really on this Friday night. Yeah, throw those dishes away. Sit down. Right. Buckle in. Just forget you have kids. It's important to just everybody stop as we create this space for Kyle to finally tell the story of what happened in his threesome. I feel like you're way more excited about this than I was, but we'll put a pin on that for a while. I also like the idea of some sort of like mother, father being like, Timmy, I know you want me to redo a bedtime story, but I need to listen to this guy talk about his three-way. Yeah, I bought you this book from the library. Okay. <laughs> it's daddy's first three-way is what it's called. Stop filibustering. So I think if if you remember correctly, I laid the groundwork here a few weeks ago about how there was this person that I used to work with who I don't know if they listened to this podcast already, but I really want to be very upfront. Surprise! Surprise! I'm ta I, I, I want to be very respectful of A, their privacy, but also B, I, I don't want to say anything incriminating against them. But was sending pretty explicit messages over text about like how they had wished that they had pursued something with me when we used to work together. They're married now, have kids. And they were like, you know, you should come and visit us. But we explore with other people in the bedroom. That would be something that I would love to do. That is what they communicated to me. That is the invitation. That is the invitation. So it's like, you know what? I have a free weekend. <laughs> or I can, I can make there be a free weekend. And uh, I've been striking out in my love life anyway, so why not? We're, we're, we're only young-ish once. We might as well see what this whole group sex thing is all about. Oh, yeah. Two wrongs make a right. First of all, you had sex with Wing, Wing Commander weeks ago. Uh -huh. And also, we're not that young. I bundle up my stuff. I pack my 
my clothes, a spare pair of underwear. Okay, wait, stop. What in the hell do you pack (laughs) for something like this? You're telling the story like a man. You're going over to their house. Yes? Well, no. Yes, I am. But they don't live in this city. So this is actually an overnight stay, regardless of what happens. I need to stay at their house. Again, I'm going to preface this story. No matter what happens, I need to stay at their house that night. This is called foreshadowing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not only do they not live in this city, they live in a city that is about three hours away. Listen to some podcasts, drive up. That's fairly uneventful. Arrive at their house. It's like, hey, like we haven't really seen each other in person for quite a long while. Are you nervous? You know what? I... <laughs> In the classic Kyle maneuver, I don't really get nervous until like 30 minutes before. And then, yeah, the anxiety starts to rise in me. The joke I made a couple weeks ago still rings true. It's like disappointing one person is okay, but disappointing two people, that's also this extra level anxiety that I have to contend with. Yes. So I pull into the driveway, get up, you know, we exchange pleasantries. They want to take me out to dinner first. I'm like, great, because I am starving. I haven't had lunch here today yes kyle belonging of course to the one percent of men who can eat a meal and then have sex (laughs) it's true this is very true so of course what's the jen 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 if you were to pick a chain nice restaurant what's the best what what would be the place you would want to go to before you had sex what's that place you'd go to well, it de- it yeah, it de- it depends. Probably like a steakhouse or something. Yeah, we went to the keg. We went to the keg. I was gonna say you gotta make you gotta make smart, but you gotta make smart food choices. You, you can't get like the like this is what Jesus does. He gets like the twenty seven ounce prime rib, and then the oh, the only moaning we're doing later is oh, I ate too much. These pants are too tight, and mm-hmm. then you're like, well. That's my evening. Let's see what's on Netflix. So I got the 27 ounce prime rib and. Uh, <laughs> okay. I can't wait to see where this is going. No, to no. The ominous so, foreshadowing. This is, that's not true. So here inside of Alberta, restrictions have started to be lessened when it goes to restaurants. So we're still masked up. We're Clothing waiting there. is now optional. Yeah. Clothing mm-hmm. is optional. So we're seeing just a lot of muffin dick as we walk into the restaurant. And um, <laughs> uh, no, we. We didn't expect it to be as busy as it was. Like, it was packed inside of this restaurant. And we're like, oh, my God. We were not expecting it to be quite this busy. So we had to wait about 10 minutes, finally go over to the bar. We start having our little cocktails. I, of course, have the gin drinks because that's my go-to for cocktails. Mm -hmm. It's something with gin in it. We have our dinner. Great. Good conversation. Talking about what we're up to. They sucker me into talking about movies. So I have to give my opinions on Batman and all this other stuff. So anyways, we we, we, we go have that conversation. I, I did mention that they have children, right? Yes. On our way back, pick up the kids from the grandmother's house. <laughs> and this is kind of my first and like, oh, for some reason, I thought you said that you were going to leave the, the children with the grandparent uh for the entire weekend but maybe i misheard whatever i can work with this super cute they're fun kids i actually really enjoy talking and you know interacting with children i know there's a lot of people who don't but i'm one of the people the weirdos who does (coughs) yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. carry on you jen are the opposite of me so (laughs) so you know i'm having those conversations they're going up to bed so it's just us now the three of us down on the couch and I don't even know how to communicate this effectively. It got to like we were talking and my 
impulse was that like, so are we moving this somewhere else? And yeah, that, someone's got to make a move. Someone's got to make a move. Now, to be, I guess, completely fair on everyone's part, I did not explicitly say, so we're going to like bone now, right? But I felt like I, had ma- I made it pretty clear. It's like, hey, like if you're interested, we can we can go and, you know, do what we were talking about via text message. What ended up happening was I was sleeping on the couch and they went up to their own bedroom <laughs> and slept up there. Wait, what? And so then I spent that night. And so then, oh, well, maybe maybe they had planned it for like the next night. I don't want to talk about this in front of their kids. Like, that's really hard to talk about when 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 the kids yeah. are around. Yeah, that's fair. That's so, fair. like the next that's morning, fair. of course, like there are two kids, of course, like don't necessarily poke me awake but essentially poke me awake and like we're up i'm like i can see that thank you (laughs) um (laughs) so i help them get like their breakfast ready and stuff like that with their like little cereal bowls and stuff they take me out for lunch again you know leave the kids at home again have some great conversation come back kids are still there we ended up watching all three of the Pitch Perfect movies, which is not a bad time. It's not group sex, but I mean, it's... it's Except the third one. Yeah, the third one's not good. But the first two are pretty decent, even though I think at least me and her wanted to. I just feel like there was this weird vibe that had been settled where it's like, oh, I guess we're just visiting here this weekend. So I got kind of thrown off my game because I was like, I was coming here under the impression that this was happening. It was going to happen like right away. Then it didn't, and then there's kids here, so I don't want to really mess with that whole scenario when they're, like, right there in the next room. I don't want to make it sound like I was hoodwinked or anything like that, because I still actually had a really great time. Like, this makes it sound like I was so disappointed. I wasn't. I had a great, well, great food. Well, I'm disappointed. I know you're disappointed. I'm disappointed. I think I'm more disappointed than you are. Yeah, like, I still this had a good bullshit. time. This is bullshit, Kyle. But I did go up there anticipating, like, oh, I'm going to get have sex this weekend, and ended up coming back home and uh, taking matters into my own hands. So that's that's basically how oh, <laughs> last weekend went. Man. I wish I could tell you something much more salacious than this, Jen, but that's that's how it went. I feel so let down on the part of everybody. What a fucking bait and switch. I'm mad now. Oh, sure. You, you, you be mad, Jen. I am not mad. I was just, I think, under false uh, assumptions going there. And I think we should have probably made it very explicit what was going to happen. Yeah, I think that was their job. How's your relationship okay. scorecard going, Jen? This is this is par for the course for us. You and I are not thriving. <laughs> oh, we are not thriving. We are not living our best lives, Jen. I mean, no, we are not. We're not even living a mediocre version of something that could possibly be a little bit of a best life. I just want to get laid, Jen. That's all I'm wanting. That's all I want right now, and it's just yeah. not happening. Yeah. For two people whose last episode was called Get Laid, Get Fucked, we're sure... Technically, that was three episodes ago, Jen, but yes. Was it three episodes ago? It was. time is just melding into one now. I would say this, Jen. I didn't get laid, but I did get fucked, so... Yeah, I was just going to (laughs) say. Well, in the spirit of that, I would argue I am in the same boat as you. Mm. uh, Not getting laid, but certainly getting fucked. I'm starting to turn into a relationship Yoda. I had this thought when I was driving to work the other day that i was like don't you find it you i will (laughs) don't you find it odd that when you we go into the bedroom we take off each other's clothes but then after we've had sex you get dressed alone Mm, very and i feel like that's the universe's way of saying like nobody helps you after you're fucked Uh 
Okay, so you're in that type of mood tonight. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, listen, I don't believe me. I don't want to do this to you guys on a Friday night, but here's where I am. I don't know what's happened. I just, it's like I woke up one morning and I was like, oh, hi. Hi. I'm an existential crisis. How are you? I'm just going to make resonance here in your mind and deprive you of your sleep and your joy. And we'll see how this plays out. I have just tripped into this absolute season of discontentment. And I think you need to give me specifics, Jen. What's going on? Yeah, no, no problem. So it's been a year now since my relationship with my ex ended. Right, right. And for those of you who've been following this podcast, uh, it was not a great time. It was, it was once again less yet, than optimal, we should say. Yeah. Yes. It was another infidelity that thrust me out of my home, out into a city where I had tried to make it home. It thrust my career in a, in a weird direction. And it really just totally stripped me and robbed me of my self-esteem. And yet to this day, his narrative continues to be like, well, you get what you get, right? Like this is like my cheating was because you were whatever. And I do believe to a certain extent that it takes two people to cheat. But I legitimately was like nine years of watching this person systematically break me because he could. Like you try to get into another relationship and you're like, okay, the Mm -hmm. past is the past. You know, that partner, you know, I had no value to him because I was not the right partner for him. You're never enough for the people that don't want you. That's the only thing I learned over nine years. You're never enough for the people that don't want you. That's right. But I just, I just packed up all that emotional bullshit and I just put it in a gorgeous little, little rolly suitcase and I just rolled it right to the residence where I'm trying to be in this new relationship with Jesus. Which, of course, is not Jesus Christ. I do not worship at any temple. It is just a man that looks like Jesus. And if he could define our relationship in two words, it would be with the most maximum amount of exasperation saying, oh, Jesus Christ. So the, the name is becoming apt and fitting in more than one way. I have started to do this thing where I am discontent about everything. I'm discontent about the way that I look, how I speak, how my job is going, what my goals are, how I'm unable to fulfill my goals, how I'm running out of time to achieve my goals, how I can't make a decision that I don't like the decision that I make, that I want to make a decision and then I can't make a decision. And then I live in a space of a combination between poor choices and complete analysis paralysis. And then I'm trying to love someone right within that space. So this is manifested through this this new game that Jesus and I are playing. It's called, Why Do You Have to Do It Like That? And There Are No Winners. Two (sighs) players, no winners. The other thing that I started to do, like 3.30 in the morning, I feel genuinely like I'm going to (laughs) die. My heart is pounding. I can't breathe. I'm hot and cold at the same time. And I am livid. I am livid. And the only thing my 3.30 in the morning brain can think to do is to wake up Jesus and allow him to be really like a disciple in my journey to hell. And he's like, I don't know how to deal with this because this is fucking crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I simultaneously acknowledge that this is crazy while also acknowledging that I need help. I'm not okay. And, and so then it's just me looking at him and saying, I'm not okay. And then being able to provide no additional support. So me saying to him, I am not okay. 
I'm not okay. I'm not okay at work. I'm not okay at home. I'm not okay with myself. I'm not okay with you. I'm not okay. And he's like, well, what do I do to fix it? And I'm like, if I knew what to do to fix it, we would be sleeping right now. And (laughs) then during the day, I'm like trying to hold it together. And then I'm just like, I just blow. I just blow in the middle of the night. And now he is doing his, his level best to just let me suffer in silence. Because you know what? And I'm sorry, Kyle, because I appreciate that you are a man. But why do men do this? It's like women struggle and men put us into two categories. Category number one, you're fucking crazy psycho bitch that just wants to fight with me, which is not true. Or bucket number two, I'm just going to silently go away and let you struggle alone. And as we know, my biggest trigger, my biggest trigger, the thing that, 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 that creates absolute carnage for me is the idea that I have to suffer alone. Mm-hmm. I'm just suffering alone. And it's like that cartoon where Wiley Coyote has just walked off the ledge and there's that three second pause where he just slowly turns to the camera before he begins what is undoubtedly a free fall to his death. That's where I'm at. Happy Friday, everybody. You're, you're holding up the sign that says, yikes, before you fall. Yikes. Now, something that you have not said, I, I don't want to necessarily use this as like a, a get out of jail free card for, for Jesus, but we have also talked about in previous episodes how he is also dealing with his own trauma from a previous relationship. So the, I feel like these two things are biting up against each other. His own like inability probably to fully deal with what, is happening to you and also he has this history where when he tried to engage with that stuff it ended badly so i don't know there i think there might be some disconnect going on here it's totally that it's totally that and it's manifesting in all of the times he's saying i'm not going to fight with you because that was his relationship his previous relationship is that they fought constantly they fought in the car they fought they just fought constantly and so then he looks at me and he's like I don't want to fight with you. And it is taking everything I have to say to him, I'm, I don't want to fight with you either. Fighting with you is the last thing I need. The reason I'm yelling right now is because I am in crisis. I'm, I'm not okay. Like, I'm just not okay. I just feel so frustrated and disappointed and unsettled and mad at myself about where I'm at currently in my life and how I can't just can't get anything going. And I'm not trying to fight with you. And he just keeps saying to me, Jen, I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to fight with you. And I'm like, nobody wants me to, I'm not fighting against you. I'm not holding you accountable for what's happening. I'm not blaming you. I'm not, this isn't actually even about you. This is just me in crisis. And I feel like he's like, oh, um, I'm only into you when you're like, um, just fun. Cause I'm watching him back away because retreating would be what he knows from his Mm -hmm. own carnage. And for me, my carnage begins and ends with the idea that I have to suffer alone. And so we're in a perfect storm. We're in a perfect fucking storm between the two of us. So I did something that I normally don't do, but I actually took a peek into the fishbowl before we recorded Jen. I'm going to put a pin into this conversation only because I think it's going to come up a little bit in the fishbowl. And I actually have something very provocative I want to say about the way that men specifically deal with this uh this type of interaction. So it's another little bit of foreshadowing I'm giving to later on in the Ooh. episode. Yeah. So I think the thing that I want to unpack tonight on this Friday night, I'm sure people who liked last week with they're like, yeah, let's talk about getting it on. And they're like, yeah. oh, God. Well, they're back. They're back with their psycho babble. 
what I think I want to talk about tonight is this idea that like emotional baggage sucks. You sure. know, we, I think we all desire to be and to have, you know, a sort of a carry on baggage only partner. And I don't, I don't think that that's an unrealistic expectation to have, but I think the, the thing that complicates it so much is what happens when we try again, but the previous relationship was a total relationship. Mm-hmm. Like how do we love and to be loved in the wake of total carnage. Sure. And certainly that's my life every day. Like, do any of you listening right now, and Kyle, I'll ask you, do you ever just not recognize yourself in a new relationship because you're trying to process the trauma from all of the things that happened to you before you got there? Yeah, for sure. I think any type of relationship is going to be, this is such a dumb thing to say, but every relationship is unique. But what I really am trying to say is that I think there's these like split second things that can happen that snowball, not just that each relationship is unique, but it can be like vastly different. So just as an example, after the failed group sex experiment here this weekend, of course, I start going back on to the, the dating apps and I matched with this guy on Hinge. And so we actually met up here last night specifically. Did you have group sex? Do you have any redeeming story? No, 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 no sexual congress happened. That's so disappointing. I, I am a gentleman, Jen, okay? I'm going to wait until our next No, you meetup. are not. Regardless, what happened is that when we first met up, we were at this little cocktail bar downtown. Not Major Tom. I'm not cheating on you, Jen. But we were <laughs> met at this cocktail bar downtown. And just as it happened, like, as he approached the table and I kind of look up because I didn't realize he was going to be there that quickly because we I was still texting him a message on my phone. I started talking and I felt like I just over talked the entire night. And that is not me. On a first date, I'm usually like the listener. I like to like take it in, ask like specific questions. It really does feel like I'm on a podcast on my first dates because I'm asking them like <laughs> leading questions. I want them to expand on their thing. I really want to know what their opinion is on Casper mattresses specifically. And so I, I'm usually asking <laughs> just those questions. And in this first relationship, and I feel like... <laughs> If we continue to see each other, this is how it's going to be, is that I was the one who was like talking for 65% of the time. And it's just not the position that I'm normally in. And it's like, this is weird. I'm, t- I'm talking way too much. This is weird. I'm taking control inside of this like interaction. That's not usually what I like oh to do. Oh my God, I'm rubbing off on you. That's probably true. But I, I, but I think that's true for other relationships. Sometimes you can be a little bit more introverted. Sometimes you can be super extroverted, whether that's like with different family members, you know, friendships. Or even like uh, sexual relationships, they think you are, you're different. Sometimes you look at yourself and you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? Or why am I hanging out with this person? Like, we should have stopped being friends five years ago. We have nothing in common anymore. That, this feels like a great segue. So Kyle will know that I'm in peril when I start sending him TikToks. <laughs> like random with no context. They just start to pilfer. I feel terrible because while Apple is not a sponsor, Kyle has a pretty impressive Apple watch on his wrist and it must just be like, oh God, Jen's not thriving again mm-hmm. uh, as he gets all these little dings of, of TikTok videos. It's mostly like, why are you sending this to me at 1 a.m.? <laughs> this is not <laughs> what you should be doing at 1 a.m. Yeah, well, I'm doing my pre-work for my 3 a.m. crisis summit. Mm-hmm. Crisis Summit. I, I do have to say that in the middle of a of one of these 3 a.m. sessions, he's like, you know, you do work in like international relations and diplomacy. You could be solving real problems at this time in the middle of the night. And I think that just set me off more. I was like, yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Actually achieving a goal. 
So that backfired. But I did send this one to Kyle. And I think that it totally encapsulates what I'm trying to say. Don't lie to her. Don't waste her time. Don't make her look stupid. Especially for loving you. Honestly, Jen, I felt personally attacked when you sent this to me. So Why? I felt like you were suddenly commenting on me as a person. But anyways, why did this like jump out at you? I don't know. I just feel like I think these are the trigger. Those those are really like the three things that I think I'm really trying to wrestle down as I, you know, I'm 39 now. I'm 39 now. Doors are really starting to close for me, like personally, professionally and who I'm going to be and how this is going to. Thank you for inviting me to your birthday party, by the way. Yeah, I thought you were having group sex. Mm. This feels like Valentine's Day when you went to Major Tom by yourself. And I was like, I should have just been at Major Tom with Kyle, honestly. <sighs> mm-hmm. um, but I think that those are the things like, don't lie to me. That's been so in my ecosystem, right? It's just the, mm-hmm. the betrayal that, that I've had to endure, even though it was never deserved. But I still have a person out there who can justify it. Don't waste my time. I think that's the thing. Like I've spent so much time in relationships where I've just known in the back of my mind, like this isn't going to make it. This isn't going to make it. What are you doing? You're just, you're just investing in something. Like this isn't going to make it. You're not going to make it. What are you doing? But this isn't, wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Because this is like classic Kyle self-destruction that you always make fun of me for, where I make up the worst case scenario and then the worst case scenario happens because I am (laughs) committing that that's what's going to happen. Are you not just doing the same thing? No, because I am. Have you ever collected anything? Have you ever been a collector of things? Not that I want to admit here on the podcast. And I am a collector of red flags. (laughs) And I have a stunning collection of them that have kept me into situations that have wasted my time. I own that. I don't put that on anybody else. And then the other thing is like, don't make me don't make me feel stupid, especially for loving, Mm -hmm. loving a person. And I think that those three things just haunt, they haunt me at night. And you know what? Let's just be honest. Like there's putting up defense, there's self-sabotaging. And then there's that little quiet voice in your head that just knows, like it just knows, you know, I'm really blessed to have a really strong circle of girlfriends. And I remember when my one girlfriend got married, she was like, she's standing in the wedding dress and she just kind of looked at me and she was like, we're not going to make it. And I was like, well, could I bought you like a really nice gift. I feel like this is a, too late to be telling me this. But <laughs> can I get that receipt back maybe? Or It's just a helpless feeling. But I think that there is that. And I can't be the only person who wakes up at three in the morning and lays awake and thinks this isn't it. True enough. Again, this is this is me being far too optimistic. I understand. I think it's obviously natural to have those those feelings, those doubts. But it's another thing to be like, I'm going to succumb to these negative thoughts and and make this not work. When I don't know, when I, I when I think maybe when there actually isn't anything bad that's actually going on, it's just like, well, I've said that it's not going to work. And therefore, it's now not going to work. But I think for me, a defining moment in my relationship is when a, when the person that I'm dating figures out my vulnerability mm. and then they can't figure out what to do with it. I mean... I've certainly talked about this on on this podcast. So to to sort of recap it slowly, my entire life has been this, um, you know, trying to work through this paradigm that I have to be impressing you in order to validate that I belong there, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I know that, 
you know, for me, like I, you know, my dad wanted to have this big career and I was, you know, largely an inconvenience. It was terrible. I wasn't smart. I, you know, needed lots of help in school. And I just knew like he wanted to have this big career and I kind of came along and kind of, you know, wrecked it. He then had to be a parent. I don't think he ever wanted to be a parent. I mean, he loves me tremendously. I feel genuinely loved. But I think the honest part of our relationship is like, yeah, this was not this. This is not my thing. This is not my, I did not enjoy being a parent. You know, my mother, I really genuinely believe like I, you know, ruined her life. Like, <laughs> I think she was so on the precipice of being happy and, and I'm so different than her, right? Like I'm so, I just think different and act different and want to do different things. And I think that that just frustrates her. And, and so you, you, you feel that as a, as a kid and you're like, okay, so my entire existence will be to prove that I'm impressive and doing good things in order to earn the right to be where I'm where I am. I certainly was the construct of my relationship with my grandparents on both sides. You know, I remember my my mom's mom used to twist me by the arm until my arm would just be red. And she would just say, did you know that nobody likes you? Nobody wants you. Nobody likes you. And she would just like beat that into me. Like you're, you're worthless. You're worthless. And so then now, even today, like I feel if you had a tribunal of like all the people that have had to be my boss in life, they would say that the hardest part about trying to manage Jennifer is that she's like, grade me validate me. Tell me I'm doing a good job. Pat me on the head. Like, tell me I'm doing good. Tell me I'm doing good. I'm like the Lisa Simpson of the human characteristic of an employee. And then I do it in relationships. I'm like, I want you to be impressed by me. I want you to be proud of me. I want you to be proud to be with me. I'm trying to earn my keep to stay with you by doing all these things and achieving all these goals. And I want you to I want you to be proud of me so that it validates that I can be here. And the thing is, is like, Jesus belongs to a small contingent of men that I've dated that are like, I figured out that this is your thing and I can leverage it, mm. right? I can make it a carrot and I can make you chase it and me willingly be like, look how fast I can run to chase it, to chase your validation. And that to me, I recognize it now at 39. I mean, it's a, it's a hot, holy road to hell for me, just me. It'll be great for him, but it'll be hell yeah. for me. What's so fascinating is that I'm just coming to the realization how we are so intrinsically different in our own insecurities, and yet they're manifesting themselves in similar ways, in that you seem to have had a lot of outward antagonism opposition? in your life. Yeah, opposition. That uh, was open like... Open opposition, yeah. Giving you these negative thoughts into your head, and I did not. It was all internal. All of that was internal, so every time... The repeated thing was like, oh, you're so good. Or like, oh, you're so special in this area. Or it's like, you're so talented in doing this. And my immediate response has always been, mm, no, I don't believe you. You're lying to me. There's something that you're hiding and I ah, just don't believe. So Imposter that, syndrome. It's not something I talk about a whole lot and I'm not going to get into it, into details here on this episode here at least. Th there is a bit of, well, not a bit of, there's a bunch of sexual trauma that I had as a very young kid, which I think kind of build itself up and is part of that but it is fascinating to me how i have never in my life had someone outwardly say like the awful things that people have said to you when you were growing up i had the exact opposite everyone was so supportive i just didn't believe any of them and how has that manifested to today well it's the same thing every relationship i get into as soon as things start going well i'm like nope i don't believe it someone's lying there's something there's some hidden thing someone's gonna pull the rug out from under me here at any moment and then I make that happen. I certainly relate to this in that anytime, 
And this is true. This has been true since the day I met you. Anytime I have ever given you a big compliment, like, oh, I think you're so smart or thank you for doing this or oh, you're so bright or oh, you're so good looking. That'll, that'll be, you yeah, will not bit. look at me for the rest of the night. Like for the rest of the night, you will not make eye contact with me for the rest of the day. Like sometimes I'm like, if I'm, if we're going out and I'm like getting ready in the bathroom and I'm like, oh, I don't want to put on this much makeup. I'm like, I could just issue Kyle a compliment and then he won't look at me at all. And then I don't, I can just wear nothing. I can just it's wear true. just like a coat of mascara and a little under eye cream and away we, away we rock and roll. Um, it really creates a lot of cognitive dissonance for you. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't reconcile it. You can't let it come in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's this weird thing. It's not that I don't enjoy praise. But there's two things that really set me off, which is public praise. Nothing, I hated nothing more than having to be pulled in front of a group of people like, look at how good this guy is. In previous jobs and stuff, I hated it. I hated when people would do that or if, or if that ever happened. I much preferred like the one-on-one, like, hey, I really appreciated this thing, like an actual deep emotional connection. But also my biggest insecurities are one, the way that I look and be what I actually know. And so whenever anyone says something nice about those things, like, mm, no, I don't know everything, or no, no, I'm not the best or most attractive person in the world, so I know you're making this up. So I, I have this, like, impossible standard I set myself against. Do you ever watch This Is Us? I've never watched it. I do know. I do know about it. So there's one particular episode where um, one of the siblings, Kevin, who's an actor, is is training for a stage play, and he's really wanted to work with this playwright. And the playwright is just being, like, you know, giving lots of notes and lots of criticism and not praising him and praising other people. And it's making him viscerally upset. And so he finds the director says like, Hey, how come you didn't say I was doing a good job? Like, how come I I only got negative feedback and everybody else got positive feedback? And the director says, and it's just this is seared into my mind. The director says, Oh, I didn't think you were an attaboy. And he goes, Uh what do you mean? And he says, someone who has to be told that a boy. Someone who has to hear it. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that about you. I'm really sorry. And he's like, well, well, no, like, no, I'm not like that. And he's like, mm, evidence to the contrary. And then at the end of the scene, uh, or at the end of the episode, he gets sent flowers, and on the on the card it says, "Add a boy." And mm-hmm. I've thought about that a lot because I am an add a girl. Like I'm like somebody pet the top of my head and tell me I'm doing a good job. And mm-hmm. if you withhold that from me, I will chase it. I will chase it until I get it. And it is without a doubt the source of my discontentment and the biggest character flaw that I have. And that's why when relationships don't work, I'm like, oh, I'm worthless. (laughs) (laughs) Which it's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. For those of you listening, it was the episode where we were talking about, it was like truth or trust. And we like did a shitty job of defining what it was and we got a whole bunch of feedback. So if you're asking yourself the question, am I living in carnage? Am I dragging the carnage from my previous relationship into this relationship? Or am I dating someone with carnage? Ask yourself if any of these seven things relate to you. Number one, are you in the Venom sequel? (laughs) Are you finding yourself in circles of repetition where you're doing the same thing and the same behavior you don't like again in a new relationship in a different context with a new person? Second, are you blowing even minor things out of proportion? is every little mohill a mountain? Mm-hmm. Are you making an Everest out of everything? Number three, are you overly protective of yourself? 
you know, a small little dig is a huge attack. I'm doing this. I'm giving a master. If you would like to see what this looks like in, in a masterclass format, I'm like the Paul Thomas Anderson of blowing things out of proportion and being so protective of myself. If you say one little dig against my character, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get that you hate me. I get that I'm worthless to you. And they're like, no, I was just pointing out that you had a fact that was incorrect. And I'm like, I get it. I get that I'm garbage to you. So <laughs> I'm, it's just a real treat trying to fake, make that work. Uh, number four, you're trying to self-medicate, you know, whether you're trying to like numb, like numb the feeling. Um, and number five is of course, you're keeping yourself in that state of numbness. I'm doing a great job of both these things in a little ditty. I like to call shopping at Nordstrom rack. And then number six is always allowing yourself to settle. Um, and I like to call this like panic and settle where you're like, okay, this'll do like, this will just do. And, and you're doing that because you're trying to quell feelings of insecurity. And number seven, are you over activating all your senses? Are you just hyper aware and throwing a lot of emotion into what is probably arguably a pragmatic situation? If any of those things make you feel seen, well, welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, where we spend Friday night not having hot sex, but unpacking your emotional damage. I'm going to auto-tune that whole thing. Well, welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, where we spend Friday night not having hot sex, but unpacking your emotional damage. Okay, let's go to the fishbowl since you've already manhandled yes. through. Probably when you were dumping your keys in here. Here you go. Mm, thank you. Question number one. I'm a 27-year-old man. In my past relationship, my girlfriend cheated. It broke me. Now my girlfriend, also 27, of three years, was just accepted to grad school overseas. She'll be leaving in September, and I will not be going with her. I know exactly what's going to happen. Should I just end it now? Number one. This is, I've used this phrase already this episode, but this is classic Kyle Marshall behavior. Which is you totally oh, really? jump, you totally jump to be like, oh, I know, I know 100% what's going to happen here. The fact is, is when you say, I know exactly what's going to happen, you don't. You know exactly what was going to happen with your previous relationship, unless you have like very clear past uh, instances where it's going to happen with this relationship. I, I don't think that that is the, that is something that I would jump to in this regard. Now, when you have, a history of someone, say in your previous relationship where someone has lied to you or cheated on you or hidden things from you. Absolutely. But I think so often what happens is that when these things have happened to us in the past, we internalize them to be like, oh, I am worthless. I am worthy of being cheated on. I am worthy of being lied to when it should be kind of the other way around. And again, I'm saying this knowing full well that I don't follow this advice. So this makes this especially unqualified but it's it's no they cheated they lied that is uh that is something that qualifies their character and does not do anything towards you previous relationship fine this relationship unless she has done something specifically that leads you to believe this i think you're jumping ahead of yourself you know i read this question totally differently mm. when he said i know exactly what's going to happen i imagined him doing the whole distrust questioning like making her feel totally like she cannot be successful because he's so living in the i'm gonna catch you cheating i want to know if you're cheating i'm got, like to me i think he's his the way i read it was that he doesn't want her to have to ride the thought 
bus with him. And what I mean by thought bus is there's this great thing in meditation that I love. And it says that um, imagine yourself always standing at a gorgeous bus stop, not one of those like crank bus stops where like the glass is busted out and somebody peed on the seat. But like imagine yourself sitting at a gorgeous bus stop and feelings associated with situations are like buses that come to the bus stop. And you yourself have the choice to get on that thought bus or not. And some people get on that thought bus and they just ride it around for forever. They ride that thought bus forever. And it would seem to me like this guy has been riding a thought bus for three years, right? He's been in this new relationship and he's riding the thought bus of, you know, you know, can I trust? I was cheated on, you know, are people faithful? Are people loyal? Do people tell the truth? He's just been riding that, that thought bus. And I think what I read into this question is, is do, am I asking this person who's about to go off to grad school to ride this thought bus with me? to ride this bus of all of my feelings while she's trying to achieve a goal. I feel like that's was, that was the question. Mm. And in that case, my answer was, yeah, just end it. If you're going to make her ride your thought bus and it's not going to serve either, either one of you, if, if she's going to reach for a goal and you're not going to meet that with 100% of your support and trust, you got to get out of there. Especially after three years, mm-hmm. don't waste her time. Next question. In my last relationship, she was hypersexual. We had sex five to seven times a week, sometimes at 2 a.m. If I said no, she'd freak. I was going to school and working a full-time job and just wanted to fuck like one time a week. But she'd cry and yell and I'd just sleep with her. Now in my new relationship, sex is dysfunctional again. I can't get hard. I can't come. She doesn't say anything, but I know I'm letting her down. What the F do I do? I'm especially the wrong person to be asking this to because I, I I don't know. I'm not a sexual expert when it comes to this sort of thing. Definitely there is a an incompatibility that's going on here in both cases, right? One was like your sex drives with your previous relationship were just completely not aligned and unmatched. From my experience, and again, that's all I can use. From my experience, if you're a man, and you are having issues and like this isn't an actual medical issue like maybe go and talk to your doctor i guess is maybe the first thing i would do but if, it, if it's n- if it's not an actual like physical issue and it's more of like this mental issue that you're coming against um it's usually because you're putting too much pressure on yourself or getting into your own head about like oh like this is what she's expecting and because you're coming from this previous relationship where it was expected that five to seven times a week i think this is one of those times where you might need to open up a, a line of dialogue with your new partner and see what they want, what their expectations are. You know, just have fun. Don't uh, don't work yourself up too much. Yeah, this guy needs help, right? Like the first piece, of course, is you like you said, Kyle, is medical. Just clear that hurdle. And then the second piece is you've got to talk to somebody because clearly you are dealing with some sort of sexual chaos from the past that you've now totally reappropriated to the future. And the line gives you away when you say, she doesn't say anything, but I know I'm letting her down. Well, you don't know that. She's not saying anything. So I think the the most important thing here is to manage by fact. And mm-hmm. I think once you open up and you get some help, I would talk to, I, this is this to me feels like counseling. Like I'm not sure how much she needs to be a part of this because this is about you reconciling the past in order to change your future behavior. You know, this question does reveal something exciting to me about 
um, how often we're quick to excuse sexual dysfunction. Like it's okay for a relationship not to work because you're sexually incompatible. Now, do I think you should like cry and scream and yell when someone doesn't want to have sex with you? No, but being sexually frustrated is also okay to be that way. We, we have needs. We want needs to be met. I'm 38. I'm 39, sorry. And I'm in my my sexual prime now. There are moments, and I, we've certainly talked about this on the podcast, I don't want to talk about my feelings all night. I've had a big day at work. I've achieved goals. I'm you know, working hard. I just want someone to just lay on top of me now. And I, and I know I'm not alone because the comedian Ali Wong talks about this all the time. And she's one of the top comedians because yeah. she resonates with women who are like, we just want to be sexually free. I think there's a lot of dimensions here happening. Um, but I think the most important takeaway for this person who asked this question is to manage by fact, right? Start talking about what your experience is. And I think you'll find that this is just kind of a point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. In my last relationship, I had a real problem with gaslighting. My girlfriend was devious and misleading and not honest. I got some help with a counselor who told me that the best way to deal with this was to create a boundary. Ultimately, my boundary was so good that we broke up. But now, the minute I sense trouble, I'm too good at creating a boundary. My new girlfriend feels like she's pushed away from me really letting her in. I can't say I disagree. What do I do? So interesting that this question comes up this week because as I have been spending more time on TikTok, I don't know if you know this, Jen, I'm basically TikTok famous. And I... Mm -hmm. uh, I saw the hoodie that you're wearing now that says TikTok famous. That's right. <laughs> I... Uh, there's two great things about TikTok, which is number one, it's a super amazing platform at giving my information to the government of China. And secondly, it's a really great platform that serves you exactly the type of videos that you want to see. One of those videos or one of those types of videos for me is, weirdly enough, relationship advice. I get a ton of them served up to me huh. while I'm browsing TikTok. And one of those videos, I wish I had saved it so I could credit the person who was saying this, but I didn't. Or we could just play it right now. No, I mean, like, I have no idea what video it is. Like, I watched that two oh. days ago. There's no way I'm going to find that video again. But in it, it talked about this specifically about boundaries and boundary setting. And, and it's this weird phenomenon that has occurred from, like, the YouTube generation and later, there was this correct thing from like psychology and from therapy about boundary setting and actually setting proper boundaries for yourself about stuff that, hey, I don't want to do this or like I, I can't overextend myself. It's okay to say no sometimes. However, you, you've seen the pendulum shift almost when people take that information, internalize it and it's like, oh, I'm able to say no to everything and I don't have to yes. treat other people with respect because it's all about me and it's about my self-care and I'm the only person that matters. That's the dark side of this when you don't actually do a counselor, you just like look at, uh, <laughs> you know, pop psychology and stuff. Now, in this case, he actually did go to a counselor by the sounds of it, but I think something similar might be happening, which is the idea of setting boundaries, positive, good. That is absolutely what you should be doing. But on the flip side of that, too harsh of boundaries is also negative. If you're not allowing anyone inside of those boundaries, then you're just shutting yourself off from everything. This has been a long way for me to say that I think that if your girlfriend feels like she's being pushed away, well, guess what? You're pushing her away. So do you want her to be yep. pushed away? <laughs> and uh, I think it might be time to maybe open up the gate and let someone in. Yeah, I, I think that there is there's such a temptation that you create so many boundaries that you're like, wait a minute, 
I don't have to feel a single moment of discomfort. Right, right. And so I'm just going to keep putting up walls. Yeah, I think we have to be so cautious of that, right? But I think, you know, this is where a partner provides great feedback, right? Because, you know, we validate the lived experience of our, of our, of the people that we, that we date, the people that we love. And if she's saying, I'm feeling pushed away, then you're, you're the architect of that experience for her. And if you don't want that to be her experience, oh, you're going to have to change. Thank you, David Bowie. Next question. I met this guy and we're really good together, but I'm still so hurt and angry about the end of my last 11 year relationship. I want to ask him to cool off, but I'm worried that if I do, he'll just become interested in other people and I might miss my chance to be with this awesome guy. Do I just suck it up? Ah, the old, should I stay or should I go now? Yeah. Uh, I find this question a little bit hard because I'd almost want a little bit more information about what's going on. I think it's hard just to jump from an 11 year relationship into something brand new. Like that is a long time to be with another person. On the flip side of that, I mean, if, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. And I don't think forcing yourself to stay is the right answer either. I think, honestly, I think this builds off the last thing we were talking about as far as boundaries go, which is I think it is okay on your part to be upfront and say, listen, I'm hurt. I'm coming from this 11 year relationship. Things might be moving too fast or things might be moving in a direction that I'm not comfortable with. I want to take a step back. Like let's just step back here together and, 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 and communicate that. But they also have the opportunity to say, then I want to go on that journey with you or like I'd rather not. Yeah, I mean, this question super pisses me off. (laughs) I'm sorry, it does. Because I think that, first of all, this question just says, should I I pack up all my emotional bullshit, drag it over to this new relationship, and put it on this guy, because this guy could be the one? Right. And there's so many things that's wrong with that. First of all, you can tell by her even asking the question, and the way the question is structured that even she knows she's not ready for this, right? Like if you have to ask, you know, right? Yeah. We, we always find that in our questions. If you have to ask, you know. So there's a part of her that already knows, oh my God, I'm going to give this guy a really rough go here because I'm going to drag out this carnage over to him. And secondly, and I don't know, allow this to be a public service announcement. Kyle, please get my soapbox as I say the following. The idea of the one is a construct that was created by Disney films so that young girls could dream of a life where they wore really, really, really pretty dresses. There is 10 billion people on this planet. There is no such thing as the one. There are ones. There are a collection. So you miss out on this one, there'll be another. And I think that, that that's striking optimism for someone as negative as me. But I just think like we excuse bad behavior and we stay in bullshit things because we continue to believe of this construct of the one. And I think if she can let go of that and say, no, there's, there's lots of men out there that would, that would be a good partner to me and I could be a good partner to them and we could build something together. If you begin with that construct of belief, then it gets pretty easy for you to back down into the real conclusion of this question, which is that if you feel you are not ready and you feel you are not going to be your best self in that relationship every day, then you need to let that one pass. I relate to this on a cellular level because I used to lay awake at night when I was married and think, this isn't working. This is not working. This is not working. This is not working. This is not working. You know, he's, he's in my way. 
He's in my way of the person that I want to be. He's in the way of the things that I want to become. The things that he wants next in life are not the things that I want. And then all of a sudden, I just had this moment where I looked over at him and I thought, oh my God, I'm standing in his way. Who I am day to day is just inertia for him to achieve his goals. And that was the last night I slept in that bed. And I think what she's doing, and this speaks to really to her credibility as a person, is that she's saying, I'm just not ready. This guy has showed up at the wrong time. And believe me, because that will be the story of Jesus and I, two people that really liked each other, that really fell in love with one another, that were still standing in the fresh, hot carnage of each of our relationships. And look at what we did to each other. We just took something special. We destroyed it because we could. That's the journey I'm on. And I think for her to say, I think I want to stop this before I have to go down this like last 25 minutes of platoon, I think is a really, really smart. There's a lot of smartness in the person who asked this question. But this will be my favorite question that has ever been submitted to the fishbowl ever. Mm. If there was an award for dating men who lose interest and become emotionally unavailable, then I have dated every award winner and nominee. How do I stop attracting these men into my life? So how do I head off carnage is the question. And Kyle, I bet you have a gorgeous answer here. Well, this is the question that I had uh, snuck a peek at. Oh, I wondered which one it was going to be. This is where, and I hope actually that we get a lot of letters being written in for this because I'm going to say something that is probably going to get me into a lot of trouble. Canceled. Oh, God. And in this segment of Kyle Gets Cancelled. How do you stop attracting these men into your life? You don't. Uh, Very few times will I say, like, well, all men do this and all women do this. Because I tend to really hate painting in broad strokes. But Mm -hmm. talking about TikTok again, I did come across another video here a few days ago, which when they explained this, I was like, oh, my God. This is exactly what I do, and I can't believe I've never noticed it myself. Listen, let me just head this off at the pass. Hashtag not all men. Okay, I get it. You're filibustering again. By and large, by and large, men, when they get into a relationship, are not getting into a relationship to change their daily life. They want someone in their life to fill the need when they're not doing the thing that they like to do. Meaning, if you are Mm -hmm. a video gamer... I just want to play video games all day and then be able to kiss somebody after I'm done playing video games. Very true. Um, Or whatever. Fill in whatever hobby or whatever career path you are in. I am in a relationship so that that person can come in at the moment where I am not doing the other stuff that I'm doing. I don't really need you there when I'm doing the other stuff. And that's the part where I recognize myself and I felt really awful about it. But it's like, that is true. That's so true about myself. On the flip side, A lot of women, or I'll say most women, are getting into a relationship for a very different reason. Where it's like, I actually want to be coming into this relationship to either understand you more, or to build a life together, or to like push things forward as a a couple or a group. But most men are not geared that way. So again, how do I stop attracting these men into your life? Good luck. Because I don't think it exists. Yeah, I mean, that's some that's some good advice, right? Like, I think that the crux of this whole thing is, is that your expectations are too high, right? Like, people are who they are. Yeah, there's going to be varying levels of this. Like, obviously, I'm not advocating like, well, you're going to get into a relationship and you should expect to be ignored for the rest of your life. Like, that's not really what I'm saying. At the end of the day, though, 
yeah like <laughs> guys are guys who get interested in these things and you're not always going to be the main priority all the time but don't you think that this speaks to men's imperative to be authentic right from the jump right yeah like i find that sometimes men they're gonna they're gonna just do all these things and then it's like once we're lured on there it's like okay now i'm gonna go just just gonna do this other thing and not really try it's funny i, I really like wearing bandanas Okay, I just really like wearing bandanas. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, and now I feel seen. But this is what I'm saying about Jesus is that I asked the question, we were doing something and he was being super sweet and, you know, carrying my stuff. And, and I just said, who are you when you stop trying? And I find that that is really a remarkable thing, like a question I would never have asked at 21, but a question that I asked now at 38, like, okay, this is charming, but not sustainable. Who are you? Who are you? When you stop trying, I think that right. that's a question that we, you know, we ask the more we're, we're in this dating game and the more we're trying to fight to find a partner is, you know, who are you when this wooing period is over? Well, I, and this goes back to my frustration, our complete disagreement on the best parts of relationships, where it's like, I hate the first few weeks of relationships. I'd rather <laughs> get to that point where it's like, can we just stop trying together? Because that's kind of where I want to get to. Oh my to. God. And I and am on the front half stay and I'm like, period. I can, yeah. And I, the ch it's like chasing that high all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like what, well, what happened to the beginning? Well, that was the beginning. I was trying to get you to date me. And I was like, yeah, but you, now you have to keep me dating you. And I'm also still trying, you know, when you watch your friend kind of like let herself go a little bit or let himself go a little bit in the relationship. And you're like, you're not trying. You have to try every day. And how many people are like, no, I don't. That is why I always carry a change of clothes so I can have my peacock plumage that can unfurl itself to attract a mate. Of course. And he has it on now. I constantly, this is the last question in the bowl here. Let me dig deep. I constantly feel like there's something off in my relationship of one year. But when I try to talk to my partner about it, I think he doesn't care. He doesn't think that there's a problem and tells me that the reason I feel this way is because my last relationship was so toxic. Maybe he's right. Maybe I'm just looking for a problem. Or, you know, maybe you know. Maybe your instincts matter. Jen, you are so always about the instincts. It's like, oh, your instincts are always true and your gut feeling is always true. And I was like, I think I need more information <laughs> for this because your gut instincts are always lying to you. So you have to really needle yeah, them but and really figure that out. That's because your gut instincts are masked by your self-saboteur. Sure, true. That, that is true. Right? Like your instincts are like, we don't even know. We don't even know who we are because we just have our self-saboteur who's like, don't worry. I'll mm -hmm. take this one. Like this always comes down to the same kind of answer, which is one. I mean, if you're unfulfilled, you're unfulfilled. I, the real question is like, do you want to pursue this relationship with this person then? <laughs> like, honestly, if the answer is no, like I, I don't want to go through the hard part of trying to get on the same page, then like, yeah, cut and run at this point then. But if the answer is like, he doesn't see a problem, but I think there is a problem. One, conversation, yes. But B, I think you both have to come up with the idea of like, where are we going? Like, where is the actual ultimate like journey for this relationship going so that you can figure that out together? Yeah. And you don't want to wait for someone else to tell you to validate that you're not happy. Right. Why are we always waiting for someone else to validate our feelings? It's like those friends that you have who like go shopping and can't buy anything unless there's someone there to say like, oh, you look so good in that. I need you to tell me you look good in that. By the way, we do have to go clothes shopping soon, Jen, uh, which I've asked you to come and tell me what I look good in. I cannot wait. 
I cannot yeah. wait to dress you. I'll do the pretty woman thing, the montage. I can come out with hats That's right, on. Obviously. And then we got to go into one store and you have to just go, big mistake. <laughs> and they'll be like, who was that? We didn't even talk to who him. Who are you? Yeah, I think you know. I think you know that little voice inside of you. Mine is, mine is doing its thing at about quarter after three in the morning. Um, you know, you know, you don't need to wait for someone to validate you. You don't need to ask us a question. You don't need to take it to the boyfriend. You know, girl, just listen. You know, you know, you know where you're at. It could be that you're not ready. It could be that this guy's not the one. It could be that the path ahead doesn't seem like it's going to spark any joy for you. You know, just listen, you know, and that's the fishbowl. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have questions of your own on the topic that we have uh, posted on our website or anything that you want to talk about, we welcome your submissions to the fishbowl. Visit somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen double N. Would I say dot com? Somebody date Jen and Kyle. Jen double N dot com. And you'll see the fishbowl. Gorgeous little picture of the fishbowl. Submit your question. Submit your question on any topic. And if it's such a good question, we're going to build an entire episode around it. And then if we don't, we're still going to answer your question. You'll mm -hmm. still get a little email from me or Kyle. And you have the added bonus now of knowing that if you get it in the middle of the night, you can be like, not only did I get an answer to my question, I got an answer to my question from someone in total epic crisis. <laughs> it's just like an added bonus. It's like a premium. Kyle, let's go to the burning question. Yeah, let's go to the burning question. This comes from the website modernintimacy.com by this writer, Jesse Ripes, or Rippus. Uh, fairly recent, April 21st, 2021, they wrote an article entitled 13 Tips for How to Heal from a Toxic Relationship. But I wanted to focus in on their second piece of advice, which was try not to contact your old partner to check in. After enduring a toxic relationship, especially a long-term toxic relationship, it can be really tempting to want to reach out to your former partner. However, it's often best to give yourself some time alone and go completely no contact. If you are communicating with the old partner, you may find yourself drawn back into the toxic tango. Jen, is this bullshit? Yep. Really? Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Why would you talk to your old partner? This is charming what you're doing here because you're conflating talking with with talking at. And <sighs> I've always been a big believer that when you feel sadness, anger, dismay, don't hold that shit in. Why would you hold that in? And sometimes there's nothing like a little text to say, hey, I just want to let you know that you broke me, you piece of shit. Mm. I just think there's nothing wrong with but, but just a little bit of- Like how much would you go? It's like, hey, totally got railed last night and it was great. And then like two finger, <laughs> middle fingers pictures to them. Like, what are you, what are you sending to them? No, I think, you know, just in the, in the last year that I've been wrapping up with this ex- I've been really forthcoming to say, like, I want you to know that what you did to me was so absolutely unfair, unfair. And I deserved better. I deserved better. And the key to success is not caring what the reply is. And wow, we're really picking on men tonight. But I think something that I and this doesn't apply to all men, but I certainly have felt like it's applied to the large swath of men that are my friends and family and and former partners is, you know, women want closure. Men don't give a shit. They won't ever, and they, and they won't ever give it to you. They won't like you. So, you, so it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking to just give some feedback, I say there's no harm into it. If you're looking to like have a conversation and keep them in your life, probably not my favorite choice for you. Mm. And if you're looking to like try to hold them accountable or try to 
you know, get them to say something that makes you feel better. You're never going to get that. But I don't think every now and again, there's, there's anything wrong with saying, hmm. you know, what you did to me was so absolutely unfair. I am a salted earth type of person. I would block their number, delete their contact from your phone, forget they existed. <laughs> that would, yeah, that, that would be my attack. Me. That would be my attack. But well, that was the breeding question this week. Of course, you can also hit us up on all of our social media platforms. We are at somebody date on the three big ones on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. This has been Somebody Date Jen and Kyle on this lovely Friday evening. Guys, thanks for joining us tonight and thanks for joining us every week. Uh, we'll see you here next Friday. In the meantime, stay safe. Bye.